Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All right, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We thank you for watching. We are here from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern, Monday through Friday. You can check us out on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports, Facebook slash Chatterbox Sports. Please hit the subscribe over on YouTube. We're up over 1,000 subscribers i'm told now in just a little more than two weeks yes from the peanut gallery over there casey mcallister and uh brandon seho and uh certainly through no help of theirs we've hit 1,000 right subscribers <laughs> we're gaining some steam here and that's thanks to all of you so please tell your friends and your family about us you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at tom brenneman tv Tom Brenneman TV. If you like something, please retweet it. If you don't like something, let us know. There are no, um, what's the word I used to use? There are no snowflakes here. No snowflakes. You're not a snowflake? Not allowed. They are not allowed, as I've told my kids, for a solid daughter's case, 18 years, son's case, 17 years. No snowflakes. Um... All right, here we are roughly 48 hours, roughly, since the Bengals' debacle in Dallas. And it's all everyone's talking about. Right? Work, your buddies, friends, whatever the case may be. Paul Doherty, famed columnist, recently retired from the Cincinnati Inquirer, will join us in about 10 minutes to talk about the game, what's next, and his Sunday's game a must-win against the New York Jets. Also joining us on the program, Matt O'Leary, our two producers ever able to run him down today. He hosts what's called Just Jets Podcast. So we're going to talk to him about a lot of things today. Obviously, the game coming up, right? Uh, Sauce Gardner is there, most recently out of the University of Cincinnati, starting at cornerback there. C.J. Uzama is there playing for the Jets at tight end. They have Carl Lawson there, formerly of the Bengals. So we'll talk about all that and more with him. Also on the program today, Tracy Jones. Um, don't know to, what to expect from Tracy. Uh, he wants to talk about his man crushes on Tom Brady and Aristides Aquino. Your best home run calls is Aristides Aquino. That fourth one he hit against the uh, Cubs. I don't even remember it. You don't remember it at Couldn't all? Couldn't tell you. You did a, it was Aristides Aquino or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah 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 yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Did you actually, like, yeah. do this during the call? Yeah, I did. Or? Oh, okay. I did. Now yep. that you bring it up, I did. Yeah, it was yep. good. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, do we digress. <laughs> All right, last night, a pair of games on Monday Night Football. On paper, both of them looked like they were going to be really, really good games. I mean, they looked like it, right? Yeah. But neither one turned out to be much of a contest. Tennessee at Buffalo, we start there. How good are the Buffalo Bills? Too good. Game was 7-7 in the opening quarter. I'm sitting there watching it. And then all of a sudden, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs just unleashed terror 
on the Tennessee defense, a 41-7 route. 34 unanswered points. Allen and Diggs connect for three touchdowns. There was one serious, very scary moment in that game. Cornerback Dane Jackson of Buffalo was taken to the hospital for a neck injury after a collision with a teammate. He has movement in his extremities, and that's uh, very, very good news for him. Yeah, we're uh, very glad that he's healthy. And uh, yes, that's scary. You know, the NFL has those moments every once in a while where it's just like, damn, man, yeah. just. It's a violent game. It's a violent game. Played by strong, fast men. Our prayers are with them. And by the way, right now, Kansas City and Buffalo are head and shoulders above everybody in the AFC. I know it's only two weeks in. That can change. We've seen it change. I'm sure it will change. But after two weeks, Kansas City and Buffalo are up here, and everybody else is down here. Then there's Minnesota and Philadelphia. Now, here's another game that was completely dominated by one team. Many wondered if Jalen Hurts, they got to the playoffs last year with him at quarterback, but was he good enough, is he good enough to lead Philadelphia to become a bona fide contender in the NFC? Well, through two games, he is more than good enough. Threw for 330-plus yards last night, ran for over 50 and two touchdowns, 24-7 Eagles over the Vikings. The Eagles' defense intercepted the inept Kirk Cousins. Uh, Cousins, w- when you put him in prime time, you put him in a big game. Uh, I, 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 I've never been a believer, and um, maybe he'll change my mind. Yeah. So my dad has a theory on quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins. Like Andy Dalton. Like Andy Dalton, right? So if you look at them, sometimes you can see that their eyes are too sunk in their head that they can't see the outside and because All the right. light of the stadium okay. is, isn't enough for them to be able to see the whole field. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, is he an optometrist? <laughs> no. All right. Back to Tom. <laughs> back to Tom. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm not going to dispel any theory out there. <laughs> All I I'm mean, saying. I heard the ones for years and there are still people that say this is true and, and, and who knows? An ophthalmologist may say there's scientific data that proves this. But for years and years, they would talk about baseball players um, who had to play during the day that had blue eyes. Well, I I mean, we both have blue eyes. We we know. It's a struggle. I mean, I I hated doing live shots on TV during the day. So you're saying there's something to that? Yeah, there's something to that. Okay. I'm just saying, though, that Kirk Cousins has his eyes too far sunken in his head. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Okay. A lot of science today. Yeah. It really is. We... <laughs> Among other things today, this whole place is going south, and we're not even in our third week. Uh, so watch out for Philadelphia. That, they're the real deal, at least for a couple of weeks. Uh, other news and notes around the league. Niners quarterback Trey Lance underwent ankle surgery yesterday at Stanford. Significant ligament damage, a fractured fibula. He will miss the remainder of the season. We showed you the video yesterday. Tampa Bay Buccaneers star receiver Mike Evans has been suspended for one game without pay after his cheap shot on Marshawn Lattimore in Sunday's win against the New Orleans Saints for the Buccaneers. Now, Evans can appeal that suspension. We'll wait and see. Kansas City Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay has been suspended for four games for a violation of the league's personal conduct policy. 
He was arrested for criminal property damage over the summer. It's a misdemeanor charge, but he's out. Four weeks and he's a starter. In baseball, the Reds were off yesterday. They open a two-game series tonight against the Boston Red Sox at Great American Ballpark. will be interesting to see what kind of crowd they get down there. Boston's out of it. Reds long out of it since basically April. And uh, But you know what? They might put a few uh, fannies in the seats tonight. And then after that, starting on Thursday, it's a four-game set against the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Brewers are very much in the hunt for a wild card spot. We don't talk a lot about baseball on this show, nor are we with Paul Doherty coming up in a few minutes. But um, I tell you, the, the wild card races are pretty interesting to watch here coming down the stretch, especially in the National League, where you have Philadelphia, you've got uh, you know Atlanta and, uh, and the Mets. Those two have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. But, but, but the second-place finisher is going to be in. But then you got San Diego in there. You've got um, Philadelphia in there. And uh, our old buddy Nick Castellanos. He and I are forever joined. Future World Series MVP. I'd love to see it. That'd be awesome. That guy's a gamer. Guy's a gamer. Uh, there are a lot of gamers out there in sports, but he is a gamer. So... I guess what we'll do is we'll take a, a, a quick break, and then we will come back and be joined by Paul Doherty. Big program today. We're even going to check in with some of the boys over here to find out uh, what they're thinking about. I know you had a few thoughts, Casey, I think you said on the game last night. Which game? Uh, I mean, both games, really. I mean, the Bills game, it's just one thought, and it's just they're they're going to go to the Super Bowl at this rate. If they continue to play the way that they've been playing. Early, Casey. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know it's early. He's but... new to football. Let's remember this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just don't see NFL teams blow out teams like this. You're you right. just don't. It, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a special team. Now, the Eagles, um, I, I think that they're a, a sleeper for a Super Bowl yep. run. Um Jordan Davis and that defensive front stopping Derrick Henry. Um, I know I said on the Not Too Picky show that uh, I didn't really believe in Derrick Henry anymore just because he got hurt last year. He's getting older. He's probably on the decline. So I was I was down on Derrick Henry this year, but you don't stop him with like 25 yards. Like that's insane. Yeah, like, that's, it is. They're good. They're good. They're so, good. They're good. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, Tom, since you're getting into baseball, when's the last time you've watched a full baseball I've game? not watched one uh, since I broadcast one. I, matter of fact, I don't think I have watched. Well, let's start with this. We got rid of direct TV in our house, which we had forever, and we went to YouTube TV. Oh, baseball makes it so impossible. So on YouTube TV, we can't get Bally's, which televises the Reds game. Right. So I, just from the start, I can't watch them. You know, and, and I'm not so sure I would anyway. Not, not nothing against anything. I just, I just don't watch. Right. And and look, we're going to have some guests coming up here in the next few weeks. We had Sean Casey last week talking about the state of baseball and the pace of play. I can't watch it. No, I and and when the Reds are out of it, look, I I, I covered them way less than you did, but I covered them last year. It was so much fun. I probably went to 20 games on my off days. At least I went to the Road to Milwaukee series just to go as a fan, and then this year I probably have not watched a full Reds game since 
I don't know. And, and at Opening least in day? T- <laughs> no, I got paid to do it, so I had to some nights. But I haven't watched a full Reds game since I left covering them. You know, I don't know. I don't know at the end of the day really how many people can say, even the most hardcore fans that check in on it every night. Yeah. I don't think there are a lot of people out there that sit down. Uh, night after night after night, any night, because, you know, you, you come home, maybe you got some work stuff going on, you got you, some stuff with your wife, you got stuff with your kids, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever it might be, and, and uh, p- people are, are not going to sit around on a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday night and, and, and sit down for three hours and 15 minutes and watch if they're game. If they're winning, they will. Last year, that ballpark was packed. People were excited. It was, I mean, it's different than football, obviously, totally. but, yeah. I mean, totally. My my I know it was my job, but I mean, as a fan, I still tuned in every night. Now, I, I have not turned on a Reds game on my, on my TV in at least a month and a half. Wow. I would say this. If they were able to get on base more or just hit the ball. And like, or had players yeah, I like, knew. Uh, yeah, that too. I probably would watch. But me being actually new to baseball, in, in a sense, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's just hard for me to watch, at least the Reds. I mean, they're just miserable. Well, it's like well, a look, spring training roster right now. You know, now. the, the – and, and, and the rate is climbing, the percentage is climbing of plate appearances that end in one of three ways. Home run, walk, strikeout. It's climbed up over 40% now. And, you know, yeah, the home run, uh, obviously far less. I think I heard a stat the other day, and I brought it up with Sean Casey. And we're joined by Paul Doherty. Um, and, and Paul, you got the morning line back going again, even though you've retired from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Uh, but you got the morning line revved up. Where can people find it every day? Good morning, you guys. Uh, thank you, Tom. It's uh, themorningline.substack.com. Okay. We got to make sure we start posting that when, when, when Doc joins us. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, while we're on this topic, before we get to the Bengals, Paul, um, we weren't going to talk baseball. With well, him. we weren't going to talk baseball with him, but, but I do have to ask him a question because Doc is, I mean, he really knows baseball. He knows the inner workings of baseball um, and where baseball is going, where baseball has been. Um, th- this, this, this trio of outcomes that's now up over 40% of plate appearances in baseball games and they being strikeouts, walks, home runs. I saw a stat the mm-hmm. other day um, where as recently as four years ago, all 30 teams in the NFL in, uh, in Major League Baseball had more hits than strikeouts over the course of a season. Right now, there are 19 of the 30 teams that have more strikeouts than base hits. How is that good for getting fans to watch the game? Well, it's not. I mean, I think you answered your own question there, Tom. It's not. I'm hopeful that that uh, next year with the rules changes, maybe you'll see a few more base hits. Uh, maybe you'll see players being valued once again for being able to hit the ball where it's pitched uh, in, instead of swinging from their heels trying to hit the ball over the wall. Um, I, I think that's going to be an outcome. But you're right. It, it, it's It's a problem. Um, nobody wants to see strikeouts. Uh, strikeouts are, are if you're a pitcher, if you're a pitcher, or if you're a fan of Hunter Green or Justin Verlander or Carlos Rodon, great. Uh, if you're a, if you're Joe Average fan, you don't want to sit there and watch three guys swing from the heels and strike out. 
All right, let's shift gears now to the Bengals. Uh, your overall thoughts on what happened in Dallas um, on Sunday? Uh, again, they, they they just, especially in the first half, Tom, they didn't look prepared. Uh, and Especially on offense, they simply did not look ready to play regular season football. Now, again, we'll go back to what we said from the very first week I was on. Uh, you asked me about the wisdom of not playing starters. And I hedged because I see, or not playing starters in August. I, I, I see the benefits to, to, to doing that, and I also saw the drawbacks. Uh, we're seeing the drawbacks now. We can't lay it all on the fact that those guys didn't play all summer. Um, but I, th I think there's a part of it, especially the line, that you can see it. They're simply not regular season ready. You know what I mean? Um, I, and in that respect, I, I wasn't that shocked. Um, what, what did surprise me a little bit what was there weren't a lot of adjustments being made to acknowledge that fact. And it's hard to adjust game plans in the middle of a game. Um, but I, I saw the same plays being called and the, the same lack of success uh, being had from them. I, I, I think... This coaching staff is at a bit of a crossroads now with this line. I, and I, I'm, I'm going to write about this for the morning line. There are really just two ways to look at this for Zach Taylor. Does Zach Taylor say, look, um, this line, we, we, we brought in three pretty good players. Uh, they're going to play well. They're, they're, they're physically okay. They're not hurt. They were good players from their former teams. They may be a little rusty still. We're going to just stick with what we're doing here and stay the course or two you know we're 0 and 2 which is not awful 0 and 3 would be awful uh therefore we have to account for this line's underperformance by changing rather significantly the way we call plays um and i'm wondering which one they go with i'm guessing they go with one you know we're gonna we're gonna go with what brought us here we did after all make the super bowl last year uh, two games is two games. Uh, we're going to ride this thing out and, and try not to change things uh, drastically. But we'll see. You know, um, I asked Brian Billick yesterday uh, if during his coaching years, and look, he coached some great quarterbacks, and he coached some guys that he thought were going to be great quarterbacks, and he'll be the first one to tell you. Uh, you know, guys like uh, Kyle Bowler, guys like that, he thought were going to be great quarterbacks. It never happened. I asked him if quarterbacks can get gunshot. And I'm sitting there looking at Joe Burrow, and, you know, I'm sure he would sit here and say, there's not a chance I'm gun shy, and I've never been gun shy. But I just find it very hard to believe, just human nature alone, because every time he takes the snap from center in the shotgun, he barely has time, Doc, to blink his eye before someone is on him right now. Yeah. Well, we saw what happened. For those of us who've been around probably too long, uh, we, we remember David Klingler. Now, we I, I don't know if David Klingler would ever have been a, a great NFL or even a good NFL quarterback. And neither do the Bengals because his first, his first start, he got sacked 10 times by the Steelers. And, and he always had that look in his eye that, that, that said, I'm, I'm getting killed out here. Uh, Joe Burrow is not David Klingler. Obviously, um, uh, but I do think, as you said, Tom, it's human nature. If you've got a play quarterback 
when you're both of your eyes are looking side to side instead of in front of you, as good a, a guy Burrow might be as a quarterback with his peripheral vision, uh, you need to look downfield and not hear footsteps. Whether he is or not, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. But I wouldn't blame him if he were. And if this keeps up, he, he damn well might be. So um, that that's a huge problem. Um, if you can't do anything to solve the problem, you're, you're not going to be the team that you think you should be. Did you find the comments made by Jamar Chase? I don't know if you saw him. I'm sure you did. Did you find the comments he made after the game um, telling, reflective, um, foreshadowing, um, any of the above or a word I'm not smart enough to think of? I... <laughs> The, the fact that they need to change things up or that it's yeah and i mean that we're never going downfield and you know i mean i you know my first reaction to that is hey you know jamar you're not the guy getting chased back there at quarterback and yeah you can't throw the ball downfield if you don't have any time and any protection to throw the ball downfield but i i, yeah. I don't know maybe, maybe i'm reading too much of it i'm trying not to be uh, too negative it's only two games into the season but when a second-year player is coming out who unquestionably has been the best player on the team uh, through the first two games of this year, and one could argue he was the best player on the team last year, uh, when, when all of a sudden he feels confident enough to come out and start saying things about what they're doing and how they're running their offense, I find it very interesting. I think he's stating the obvious. I mean, anybody can see that that's an issue right now. Um, and he's also a wide receiver, and there's a bit of that diva in him. Uh, that, that when he says we're not getting the ball downfield enough, what he really means is I'm not catching enough balls deep. Uh, and, and that's fine. I, I mean, you want your guys to want the ball, obviously. But, but what he's saying, everybody else is seeing. Uh, the solution isn't as simple as let's, let's start chucking it deep. It doesn't work that way. If you don't have three seconds at least, you're not going to be able to get the ball deep without uh, taking somebody's uh, – helmet in your in your ribs so mm -hmm. they need to fix the protection before they can think about taking more shots deep and you fix it one of two ways you you block better or, or you design more realistic plays for the for the predicament that you find yourself in do you think the criticism through the first two weeks of the season and it's been heavy criticism on zach taylor you think it's fair I don't think anything can be written in stone two weeks into a season. Um, we love to do it. The NFL is is the king of overreaction. You know, ESPN even even has that uh, that segment where they call it what an overreaction Monday or whatever it is. And and they're they're right. And it's true. Um, I've always said you don't judge baseball players by what they do in April or September. Uh, I'd like to say you don't. You shouldn't judge. NFL teams by what they do in September either. Um, such a long year, Tom. I mean, they have 15 games to play. The division is a mess. I mean, Baltimore got embarrassed at home by Miami. Pittsburgh can't score. Cleveland is Cleveland. I mean, you give up 13 points in a, in a minute and change uh, at home uh, to a Jets team that isn't very good. Uh, I, I, is Zach Taylor a great coach? I, 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 don't, I don't think so. I think he needs to shift his uh, focus from, from micromanaging, which is play calling, 
And play calling is micromanaging when you think about it. Down distance situation, you got to do it every 30 seconds. That's micromanaging. Um, I, I think he should be a CEO. Uh, he, he should be wor more worried about uh, tone that he sets, expectations that he sets being met, uh, and stop worrying about what, what to call on third and nine. Uh, I would be all in favor of Brian Callahan taking over the play calling duties right now. But to, to, sit, to, to say he's not a good coach or he's this or he's that after, after two games, the year after they went to the Super Bowl early, than most earlier than most expected. No, I don't think that's quite fair. Okay. Um, we wondered, we talked about whether last Sunday's game was a quote-unquote must win, even though it was only the second game of the year. But now you're 0-2. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, look, they have to beat the Jets, right? You start 0-3, and I know the division's a mess. You make a great point there because – you know, somebody is going to win the division, duh. And and who knows, maybe it's with a 9-8 and eight record, for all I know. But that gets you in the playoffs. may not get you a home game, but it gets you in the playoffs. Um, but um, they they have to win this game, right, Doc? I, I Yeah. I, last week I, did, I said that they didn't have to. This week, yeah, for lots of reasons. One, the obvious statistical reason. I don't know what the number is, but teams have started 0-3, chance of making the playoffs, or like you and I hitting the lottery um, for that reason. But you start 0-3 with, with another performance like they've had the first two weeks. You The grumbling, the, uh, the, the, the uh, insider uh, backbiting, chaos. I don't know, chaos is too strong a word. You start 0-3, you have suddenly lost all that whatever you want to call it, mojo, it factor that, that they had last year. And I knew this would happen, maybe not to, to this extent, but you, the Bengals had an amazingly fortunate year last year on, on all fronts, starting with injuries, uh, lack of injuries, lack of COVID, uh, great chemistry, great team chemistry, and props to Zach for that. But that doesn't happen very often in the NFL, you know. And, and if they go 0-3, um, the, the, the three Musketeers kind of deal they had working last year will be gone, and it will make it that much harder for them to uh, to crawl back into the race. All right, Brandon Seho, you, you want to ask uh, Doc about well, I, something. I just here. have a stat here. Six out of 182 NFL teams since 1980 that started 0-3 made the playoffs. So that's 3.2%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not not great. My question, Doc, is uh, you and I have been around Burrow a little bit. Obviously, the COVID stuff prevented us from being in the locker room a lot his first two years. Have you seen him be the way he was at that post game, and then last week during the media, if you watched that, it just seems like his demeanor has kind of shifted, like that confidence and, and that, you know, how he knows how to act in front of the camera and talk. It seems like he's visibly frustrated now. I think if we, if you look for something hard enough, you'll see it. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to look hard and let, let, let's see, you know, does, does Joe look this way or that way uh, at 0-2? I, I frankly, I just think he's pissed off. I, I don't think he's, he, he's mad at anyone in particular. I think he's just mad at the whole situation. And I, I think he blames himself for part of it, um, though he – Maybe he should, maybe he shouldn't. I, I blame him for some of the stuff in Pittsburgh. I don't really blame him for what happened in Dallas. Um, so I, I, I don't think so. I, I think it takes 
you look at him, his character, uh, his history, his makeup, I, I think it would take a lot for, for Joe Burrow to feel, I don't know, defeated, you know? Right. Um, I, I, I think if they, if they start winning, the look will change. I just think he, I, right now, I just think he's kind of angry at the world. Well, you know, we always try to find some positives in this whole thing, and I think there are positives for the Bengals. I, I, I think before we let you go, Doc, um, the defense has been more than good enough to win football games. This defense has played well enough outside of that start in Dallas the other day where they gave up 14. You know, they only give up two field goals the rest of the entire game. And this field goal kicker, uh, outside of the, you know, when the emergency long snapper comes in, this guy McPherson, the more I watch him, this guy is incredible to watch do his job. Yeah, yeah, no question. Uh, he's uh, he's revolutionary in, in the uh, the opportunities that he is, the thinking that he has opened up around the league. In other words, nobody anymore is thinking, well, we can't try a 60-yard field goal. Why, why should we try that? Or we can't. We can't kick a 55-yard field goal. Uh, he, he's done that. He's extended what the guy in Baltimore has done forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, only his are going three and four year, four yards longer than, than the Baltimore guys have. Um, as far as the defense goes, I, I sure would like to see them play well uh, against somebody other than Mitchell Trubisky and Cooper Rush. And, and I guess this year they got, uh, this week they got Joe Flacco who obviously threw two touchdown passes in a minute and change last week, but he's still Joe Flacco, right? Um, they, they got a bunch of good quarterbacks they got to face later in the year. And, and before I anoint them as, you know, the best part of this team, I'd like to see them play a couple of guys who can, who, can, uh, who can really sling it. That's fair. That's fair. They got Flacco uh, this Sunday, and then uh, four days later, um, some people are buying into Tua. Uh, I think the jury's still out on him. Uh, he, he's not been very good since he came into the league. Uh, he was good the other day when it mattered against Baltimore, but he would be next. Uh, Doc, thanks for your time, my man. Uh, have a great day today. Themorningline.substack.com. And we'll look forward yes, to checking sir. it out. Can't wait to see it. Thanks for your time today, my friend. All right, guys. Thank you. All right. Paul Doherty. Retired columnist from the Cincinnati Inquirer, and now is cranked back up the morning line, where he basically hits on a bunch of different topics. Sometimes he'll get into some longer than others, which it sounds like he is for tomorrow's um, uh, edition because he's going to talk about uh, the Bengals and, and the crossroads, as he just mentioned, this coaching staff is now facing. There's definitely a crossroads, fellas, down there for this coaching staff. Yes, there is. And uh, I would say that there's probably one coach that's really on the hot seat, uh, Frank Pollock. Um, Which everybody says, in fairness to him, that, that he has a reputation of being a great offensive line mm-hmm. coach. Yeah. Yep. And, right? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but there is a reason why he ended up in Cincinnati to begin with. You know, he was in Dallas, then he moved to Cincinnati, then he went to the Jets, then he came back to Cincinnati. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think he, he should be a good coach, right? That's, that's the issue I'm having is like, I don't know where to put the finger at, but something has got to change. And I know 
how Jonah Williams played last year, and I know how Leo Collins played previously. And this is just not their their standard. Um, Volson's a rookie, so I kind of give him a pass when. Although maybe, Pro when Football Focus, I saw that thing the other day where they ranked him as having a really good game, and, and I, I think we've heard some people say, even Zim yesterday, the three interior guys. I think you could make the argument, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. That, that that they played okay. I'm not going to yeah. say great. That they played okay in that game against Dallas. But the perimeter guys are the guys you're talking about. Yeah. That, that I mean, it, it, it's embarrassing. And yep. Jonah Williams, we can talk about Collins because, you know, he's a big-name guy, Pro Bowl guy, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but, but, but Williams has not been good. No. I mean, he, it's night and day, honestly. I mean, he was one of our best linemen last year, and he was average. Now it's like, I don't even know if he should be starting. Like, we should give someone else a chance, honestly. Well, that's not going to happen because yeah. then you know you're in full panic mode. Yeah. Yeah. I you know mean, what I mean? Well, no, I, I, I get you. And he's your top pick from, what, yeah. 2019? Yeah. So, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. there's there's a reason why they didn't give him his fifth-year option, right? Like, I I don't know. I, I really hope that he can turn it around. But, like, also at the same time, right, I've, I've seen that there's been plenty of opportunities that the line have given the run game, the passing attack, just – I think the issue is everyone is on edge because of the struggling line, and it's affecting everyone else's play. No doubt. Even to Joe Mixon, and we were just watching a play earlier where he had a wide open hole for at least a 10-yard gain, 15-yard right, gain. Cut it outside, gets hit two yards behind. Yeah, I mean, th- those things add up, and um, right now the team's struggling a bit. And whether they would like to admit it or not – I think that there is a chemistry issue that has not been addressed. I, th- I think there's something going on there where they cannot trust each other right now. Yeah. Well, there's one thing they haven't done a lot of this year yet, and that's the gritty, as our uh, chat is now calling for Tom's gritty that he promised I tell you, yesterday. We, we got some great guys that. on with us today and, and some loyal followers that are starting up. Dustin, I mean, right from the get-go, he said, let's go. How's it going, boys? Super pumped for today's show. Justin Fields is back. Even after yeah. a rough game the other <laughs> night uh, against the Green Bay Packers, he's back and all fired up. And then uh, William says good morning. Uh, we got some dude who's a Chargers fan. Vincent says hello, Tom and guys. Love the show. Um, let's see. Um, Rick, Rick says uh, in the last 30 years, teams that have gone 0-2, we know this one. Uh, have gone uh, to the playoffs only 12% of the time. But, uh, Rick, thanks for reminding us. And um, are our, our shows gaining more popularity? I mean, who knows? It's you. Pat I mean, McAfee uh, used to run around in, in like, one of those uh, tank tops, right? He still does that. Yeah, he still yeah does but that. now he's all dolled up. I saw him the other day. I couldn't believe it. I didn't even know it was him. On game day? On game day. Yeah. He, I mean, he had... they got him in a coat and tie. And no, 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 no. no. pretty good. No tie. He still had the black... The black tank top underneath. All right, but he had a sport coat Winter, and a dress shirt. All right, on. so we need to get you a tank top. No. A gold chain and you no. can gritty. Doing the gritty, I, yeah, that I can do. I showed you yesterday. Right, well, we, we had to, we had some pra- we had, we some, had to do a little practice. Little I practice, a little practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna uh, do that before the show's over today. Uh, we're gonna check in with Matt O'Leary, who runs. Um, it's called Just Jets. Uh, it's a podcast, and we're gonna talk to him about the New York Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Jets. They were chanting that in Cleveland back in a minute.
Welcome back to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. You know, one thing we've tried to do on this show right from the get-go, and we're only two weeks in, uh, is bring on, you know, I, I'm not going to call them the voice of the fan, but, but, but guys that, you know, are not beholden to some team, right? And so, you know, we, had, um, we have Zim Day, of course, on at least once a week. Enormously popular, the segments we have with him. Uh, we've had, we've had, well, Reuben Brown was a great player, but he does a podcast for the Buffalo Bills, right? So he was on with us. Not so much the voice of the fan there, but we had, what was the cat's name in Dallas? Vach. Vach. Yep, yep. I mean, he was on his game. Um, totally on his game. And, uh, and another guy today. We had Matt We're, Lane. Yeah, Matt Kansas Lane City. from Kansas City. That's right. Uh, he was great. Uh, previewing that game last Thursday night between the uh, Chiefs and the Chargers. But now we go to the host of Just Jets podcast, Mr. Matt O'Leary. Matt, how are you today, my friend? Doing good. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. You're welcome, and thank you for joining us on such late notice. Um, what a game for the Jets the other day. Uh, th that was one of the most incredible things in sports, and, and all of us have seen a lot of sports. That was one of the most unbelievable endings to a game the last two, three minutes that I've ever seen. Yeah, without a doubt. I think most people thought the game was over when Nick Chubb runs into the end zone with a minute 55 left. And then, you know, garb what I thought was initially a garbage time touchdown to Corey Davis and then turns into an onside kick and a final drive to Garrett Wilson coming up with a game-winning catch. And next thing you know, you blink and the Jets are up 31-30. Uh, one of the best comebacks that I've seen from the this New York Jets team in a very, very long time. It was, uh, it was exciting. Jets haven't won a game in September in four years, so long overdue, that's for sure. You're kidding me. In four years? Sam Darnold's first game, 2018, was the last time the Jets won a game in September. That might have been the only game he won at quarterback. <laughs> it felt that way. Watching him for three years. <laughs> I'm it sure it did. It felt that way. Uh, I'm sure it did. Hey, um, so Robert Sala, who I was around him a lot when I was doing NFL games every week, and we had a lot of 49ers games, and he's a very impressive guy, Midwest guy from Michigan, you know, uh, grew up there, tough guy, and 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 a smart guy. Um Correct me here now, Matt, if I'm wrong, uh, but, 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 but skimming over after the first week loss uh, of the year, which, which was not a pretty game, a loss, but they come back with a win and give them credit. Um, you know, he, he basically said, hey, you know, um, I, I'm going to remember all the guys out there that are throwing in the towel on this team already one week into the season. Uh, I can't remember what his quote was specifically. But uh, what was your reaction to that? That, that, that? Those were pretty bold moves, I thought, for a guy who, who's only in his second year as a head coach, especially in New York. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, oh, oh no, here we go. You're going to give a quote to the New York media that they're just going to run with. Um, I didn't personally care for it. My, my initial take was, can we win some games first before we talk about taking receipts? Because the receipts are going to be as long as one of those CVS receipts that just seem like they're never ending. Um, <laughs> So I, I just, I, it was a little frustrating, but you know what? To his credit, the team backed him up. It was an improbable win, but they were still able to come come back and, and win in an improbable fashion. But uh, yeah, I was a little bit surprised with those comments. But uh, if they keep winning games like that, then you know who knows? But 
uh, yeah, the, the media definitely ran a little wild with it on the back pages here in New York. So uh, that was fun. All right, lots to talk about with this game coming up this week. As you well know, it is Panic Central here in Cincinnati uh, after going to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, your first two games are against teams that have Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback, followed by Cooper Rush at quarterback, um, and you lose. And now all of a sudden, this is like a game for Bengals fans where they say uh, there's no way you can lose this game. Uh, from a Jets standpoint, just the vibe, the fan base, you clearly are dialed into all that just looking at the room you're sitting in. I mean, that, that looks like uh, Jets headquarters there. Um, is all of a sudden this is like one of those games where maybe the year you know, before it started, you're saying no chance we win that game to now all of a sudden, hey, we're at home, we're playing well, we're coming off a big win, we got a chance. 100%. I think when you look at the Jets' first four games, when the, when the schedule initially came out, they it was weird. They're playing all AFC North opponents right away. You had uh, Baltimore in week one, then you had Cleveland last week, Cincinnati upcoming in week three, and then Pittsburgh in week four. I think absolute best case scenario for this team, even the most optimistic of fans were saying, if you can go two and two over that stretch, that would be great. Um, and the Cincinnati game was definitely not one of those games where I thought, okay, the Jets could win. I thought, you know, Cleveland without Deshaun Watson is a spot where maybe they could win. Maybe in Pittsburgh also with uh, Mitch Trubisky or a rookie Kenny, Kenny Pickett. Those are your probably your two best spots. But I think when you look at how just how much the, the Bengals offensive line has struggled in the first two weeks of the year, this could potentially be a, a pretty good matchup for the Jets defensively because Robert Sala is someone who really prioritizes that defensive line. Uh, you have Quinn and Williams, who you took third overall in 2019. You paid Carl Lawson a ton of money to come in here and get after the quarterback. You traded up for Jermaine Johnson in this year's draft class. You paid John Franklin Myers some big money to uh, remain as an interior rusher. Like if, if there's ever a time for this defensive line to prove their worth, it's a game like this. Now, I'm not saying that the Jets are definitely pulling the upset, or I think it would be pretty unlikely if they did. They upset them last year, and to do it you know, twice in a row seems pretty improbable. But I think there is a path to victory in, in this game for this Jets team. I don't think it's going to be a pushover game. Um, and, you know, the, the Bengals team is desperate. They, they need to win this game to get back on track. So, obviously, they're going to come in motivated. But I don't expect the Jets to lay down and be a pushover just because this is the former AFC champions from last year. Well, you have a, a couple of very important cogs in that AFC championship team uh, now putting on uh, the green and white of the New York Jets. Tight end C.J. Uzama, healthy again. Great guy. I mean, they, they love this guy here in Cincinnati and, and so much a part of the very fabric and the soul and the spirit of a team. He's gone. Now he's in New York. And then there's Carl Lawson. And, and you wonder... Uh, is there a little extra edge, or maybe they haven't been time uh, to ask those guys about that yet with this upcoming game against the Bengals? Yeah, I, you know, I really hope so. Uh, Carl Lawson was someone who I was really excited to to see last year when he was brought in. Un unfortunately, got hurt and missed the entire year. But I think, you know, I'm sure you guys know what he can do when he's on and screaming off the edge. And Uzama, he, he was injured this past week and didn't play. Uh, didn't have a huge role in week one, but he's just a reliable veteran. And like you said, very well liked, uh, respected in the locker room. And if you're trying to change a culture from a team that's just 
you know, always seems to be a bottom feeder to trying to get this thing going in the right direction. You need some veterans who can help you out. And Uzama's the perfect guy for that. And, you know, once he's back and healthy, I would expect him to be a bigger piece of this offense. Brandon, Casey, you guys have something for Mr. O'Leary? I was going to ask about Sauce Gardner because obviously we watched him here at the University of Cincinnati. What has his uh, relationship been like with the fans and also, uh, you know, just the New York media? I mean, he wants to be flashy and he's a top five pick. Uh, what's it been like with him up in New York so far? The fans absolutely love Sauce Gardner. Uh, he was taken, obviously, very high as the fourth overall pick. Um, but he has very much so lived up to the expectation early, obviously, but uh, in training camp, very much so looked the part, uh, looked really good in the preseason, didn't allow a catch. Uh, in the first two games, he's been solid as well in coverage. And you know, everyone knows the stat from his time in Cincinnati. He didn't allow a touchdown in his entire collegiate career. Uh, I don't expect him to go his entire NFL career without doing that, but uh, he's He's definitely lived up to the hype so far. He is a fan favorite. The media loves him, and his teammates seem to love him as well. Yeah, so I have a question for you, Matt. And this one's, uh, to me, a little bit interesting because right now you got Joe Flacco, did really well against the Browns. Not so much against the Ravens, but we'll, we'll give him a pass. That's a really good team. If Joe Flacco continues to play like he has been, let's say they go 3-1, and one, they beat the Bengals – they beat the Steelers. Is there a conversation where we say, well, let's uh, let Joe Flacco play. Let Zach kind of sit back and just let's ride this Joe Flacco train. Is that a possibility? Is that something that's going to, is that a conversation that's currently happening right now? Uh, from some Jet fans, yes. Uh, some fans, they're just so tired of the losing that they'll take anything. Uh, even if it's a, uh, 37 or 38 year old Joe Flacco. I, I, me personally, I don't think that's a sustainable plan. I think it would be uh, a criminal disservice if you come out of this year and you still don't know what Zach Wilson is because mm -hmm. you tried to ride out the hot hand of uh, Joe Flacco, who is very much so on his last leg. I appreciate him for coming in here and playing some good football against uh, the Cleveland Browns. And maybe, like you said, maybe he does it against Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Um, hopefully Wilson's back for the Pittsburgh game, but I, I think you, at that point, you just have to say, you know, thank you for coming in and doing your job as the backup quarterback, but we have to turn things back over to Zach. Um, like I said, they invested way too much in the second overall pick to just let him sit behind a, a veteran like Flacco. They're not a, a spot where, you know, it's like the 49ers who were a playoff team last year and, uh, you know, could potentially be in playoff contention again. This is all about growth and the young team has to grow together and the quarterback is a major part of that. So I think Wilson comes back in when he's healthy. All right, Matt, before we let you get out of here, uh, give us an overall thumbnail sketch, uh, if you would, of the strengths and weaknesses uh, of this Jets team. So so Bengal fans, you know, have a chance to to know a little bit more about this team. There'll be a lot written and a lot said and so on and so forth where they can do that uh, throughout the rest of this week. But coming into the season and now through two games, what would be the two strengths and the two primary weaknesses of this team so far? Yeah, um, for me, I'll give you one on each side of the ball. Offensively, I think a strength is just the, their young playmakers. We saw Garrett Wilson break out, and yep. you know they're they're deep at the wide receiver position. Maybe not as deep as as Cincinnati, but there's there's some solid players there. Elijah Moore was good last year. 
Corey Davis is a steady receiver. Braxton Barrios is a good gadget guy uh, and special teamer. So I, I think, you know, there's not just one guy that you can focus on. They have the ability to spread the ball around a little bit. And the, the positive on the defensive line, uh, on the defensive side, would be the defensive line. Uh, I would say they they have the potential to be a team that could really wreak havoc. And like I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, against Cincinnati's offensive line, which has struggled a little bit, I, I would be a little bit concerned with, uh, you know, the, the Jets defensive line rotation, which they like to rotate heavy huh. and keep these guys fresh. I think that's something that could play, you know, a major factor in this game. Now for, for weaknesses, uh, on the offensive side, they are starting a fourth round rookie at right tackle in Max Mitchell. Uh, he's been a little bit up and down, and I think if you could potentially exploit that uh, and, and take advantage and get after Flacco, who at this point isn't really very mobile, that could be an area for the Cincinnati Bengals' uh, defense to thrive. And then uh, on the Jets' defensive side of things, they they really struggle against the run. Um, the linebacker core took a step back this past week. Um, C.J. Mosley's getting up there in age. You have Quan Alexander, who's pretty solid, but beyond that, uh, there's a lot to be desired at the linebacker position. So uh, if they get Joe Mixon going early and uh, potentially in the screen game also, I think that would be a path of success for for the Cincinnati team. Well, uh, look, they haven't gotten anything going against anybody through the first two weeks. That's not to say that can't change. Hey, I'm just curious real quick to ask you before we let you go. How much did the – and you talked about having a rookie right tackle, Right. But we're just playing a little game here because I was highly critical of Zach Taylor not playing a single starter, offense or defense, for one snap during the preseason. Not one. Now, the Jets are a little bit different situation. They're not coming off a Super Bowl where you played into February and all that kind of thing. Okay, I, I get all that, and that's a big part of this question. But but did did guys on both sides of the ball play – at least a decent number of snaps in the preseason, especially the offensive line? Not really, no. And that okay. was one of my biggest criticisms of uh, Salah in the preseason. The offensive line uh, really didn't play that much together at all, which is why I think they struggled a little bit the first couple weeks of the year. And there were some injuries, like Makai Becton was supposed to be the starting right tackle. He goes down. Then they signed Wayne Brown, who's supposed to come in and play left tackle. And then they were going to move George Fant from the left side back over to the right side. And then Dwayne Brown gets hurt. So then Fant goes back to the left side and then Max Mitchell starts. So there's been a lot of moving pieces on that offensive side of the ball. And they really, on the line specifically, and they haven't played a ton of snaps together. So I, I do think that has to do with some of the struggles to that unit, at least. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Matt, again, thank you so much. Uh, for joining us, especially on such uh, short notice. And um, we'll look forward to seeing you sometime down the road. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me on. It was a ton of fun, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. All right. I'll look forward to it. Matt O'Leary, all about the Jets, Just Jets podcast. And so check that out. I mean, if you want to learn more about what's going on with the New York Jets, that, that's a guy you're going to go to. He's got the podcast going. Uh, tell you about all the, 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 if there are any injuries, if there are any question marks, what's going on. Uh, Casey, I thought your question about, um, about the whole Flacco thing. Look, I, I have said it a million times. It, it, it takes a special person, and, and I do not say this in any joking form or fashion. Between the ears, it takes an incredibly special person to play athletics at the professional level in New York. 
I would have lost every nickel I ever made in my life. I knew Paul O'Neill when he played here for the Reds. Got to know him relatively well. He was extremely young, grew up in Columbus, Ohio. He comes to the Reds, extremely temperamental, uh, immature. He'd be the first to admit this. Uh, so I'm not saying anything about it. I love the guy. He's one of my all-time favorite athletes. When he was traded for Roberto Kelly to go to the New York Yankees, I thought to myself, this guy is going to really struggle up there. Well, nothing could have been further from the truth. He just had his jersey retired by the New York Yankees. I was there his final at-bats in the World Series against the Diamondbacks. Everybody knew he was retiring. And the chant of Paul O'Neill, I mean, it deafening the way he was loved and the way he thrived in New York. You got to be a special dude. And, uh, you know, your, your, your question, Casey, about the whole Flacco, Zach Wilson thing, that's what New York is all about. They thrive on that stuff. Yeah. They thrive on it, the media the and headlines. the fans. And if they go 2-1 and one or 3-1, and one, he's talking about Wilson maybe being back for the fourth game against Pittsburgh. If Flacco wins this game against the Bengals, that is going to be topic A number one on the back page of every sports section. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> the comparisons that they would make, like Kurt Warner coming back to play for, for the Cardinals and That's what right. he did. I mean, it, it can just take one quarterback. And he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. That's right. Let, let's not forget and I think he's got some guys on offense. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, those guys are nothing to mess with. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I believe in their defense. I mean, their defensive line. I mean, I, I am super worried about their defensive line. I forgot they even had Jermaine Johnson in the draft. They, they got Quinn and Williams. They got Carl Lawson. They got the Jermaine Johnson kid. Um, I mean, a their other uh, edge rusher, John Franklin Myers, he's been playing out of his mind this season. So, I mean, Bengals are going to have a tough road, uh, a, a tough road game here against the Jets. And if Joe Flacco wins, I do think there's honestly a conversation that has to ha has to happen. I mean, last year Zach Wilson was just miserable, and I I wish I could have talked to him a little, uh, uh, Matt, about this a little more because at least from our perspective, we're we're not deep in the jets but from an outsider point of view i mean we saw like all the the jokes and the memes about the jets how yep they're like offensive line is like blocking each other zach wilson seeing just nothing in the field and just doing terrible um you know i uh i i think there has to be a conversation honestly if they want to win but i understand Salah probably has time just like zach taylor did to build a team and uh, get them in a championship mode, you know. So he's got time. He doesn't have to win now necessarily. But like you said, it's the it's the New York it's media. New York. It, it, I, the timeline kind of different. I mean, Flacco fits a bill. I, I, I'm sitting here looking, and I know I know his game has been in decline. I understand that, and everybody understands that. He went from Baltimore to Denver for a little while. Jets, Philly for a bit and then back to the Jets and all that kind of thing. But as a starting quarterback, 99 and 79 in the postseason, 10 and 5, he took the Ravens at one point in time to three straight AFC championship games. And in that postseason, threw 11 touchdowns to tie Joe Montana's all-time record without a single interception. Now, again, 
That's Joe Flacco, the young Joe Flacco. But he proved last week that he is not some washed-up stiff back there. And if you give him time with those receivers, and we said it right here uh, before the season ever started, Garrett Wilson is going to be a phenomenal pro. Yes. Um, Maybe not Jamar Chase, but I'm telling you, this cat, uh, Alave got most of the pub until last year when Wilson just went off the charts and Smith and Jigma went off the charts, you know, all that kind of thing. But Garrett Wilson is some kind of player. First two touchdowns in the NFL, ironically enough, coming in the Buckeye State up in Cleveland last week. Uh, Brandon, I, I know every Bengals fan cringed when I just asked him the strengths and weaknesses of the New York Jets. And the first line out of his mouth as a strength of the New York Jets, the defensive front and getting after the quarterback. Well, can you blame him? <laughs> what he said? I, I mean, I mean the last the last two weeks, and it's a mix of everything. I said it yesterday. It's the offensive line. It's scheme. It's play calling. It's Burrow being uncomfortable. They have to figure something out where it's not Burrow being uncomfortable, panicking. Also, Collins or Williams getting beat on the outside. You can't try to block a dominant pass rusher with a tight end or a running back. You can chip at them, but that can't be, there can't be plays where it's just one of those guys trying to, uh, trying to block one of these dominant guys. And Carl Austin will be hungry. Casey already pointed out they have plenty of other talent up front. Matt said that's one of their strengths, if not their biggest strength. So it's, uh, it's obviously cause for concern. And we, we, you asked the question yesterday if it's time to panic. I said mildly concerned or extremely concerned is what I said. If they lose in New York, then it's time to panic. But yeah. we might have some good luck. My younger brother, Nick Sahill, lives in Brooklyn. He'll be at the game okay. in the front row by himself in a Bengals jersey. I will also – I would like to add on to, to that conversation because I just now remembered we lost to the Jets – Last year. Well, that was the, the, the what was it? Mike White. Mike White. Mike White. And it came out of nowhere. And a BS a, penalty on Mike Hilton. They shouldn't, it shouldn't right. have been a game, yeah, that's but right. that BS I mean, penalty come on, was. Come on. You, but, say, you know what you sound like. I mean, come on. Hang on. When wait, you wait, lose wait, wait. to the Jets and a guy named Mike White and you're talking about a penalty. They're, okay. Do you, I mean, me- do, do you remember the penalty? I mean, no, I don't. It was, I, don't. It was, it was I, don't. I know they got their ass whipped up in, jet, in the Jets by some guy nobody ever heard of. He had game of his life, what, five tutties? <clears throat> yeah, but there was one moment in that game that completely reversed momentum. You want to know what that was? Sure. Someone came off the edge, pass deflected the ball that they tried to throw a screen on, and they intercepted the ball, gave Mike White perfect field position. They scored a touchdown, tied it up, or you know, got a lead or something, or cut the lead down to three points. I mean, I don't mean the to Bengals bring up, and Jets should not be competing. Yeah, the Bengals should beat the Jets. Yeah, well, the, well, the Bengals I, should beat the Jets. That's, that, that's what I, we thought before the year. With that's that that moment is all I'm thinking about for this game is something is going to swing momentum based off of the Jets' defensive line just being better than our offensive line, well, and they better be better. They better be better. They lose this game, and and look, three games into a seventeen game schedule, you sound like an idiot, something like saying something like this. But I, I really believe this. They lose this game, they're done. 
At least mentally. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, and, and there are some fans out there that, that are throwing things at their computer on YouTube or Facebook, whatever it might be. I, I, I just think that, that, that you're right. Mentally, a confidence standpoint, um, on so many levels, if you start the year against Mitchell Trubisky, Cooper Rush, and Joe Flacco. Now, Flacco's in a separate category than those other guys, okay, on multiple levels. He's had a great career, been a great player at times, most of his career. But if your offense cannot generate enough to outduel, if you will, those three guys as a starting quarterback being your opponent. Yeah, that's now everybody's going to say uh, the division sinks. Doc said it a minute ago, and, and that's a more than fair point. Because someone has to win the division. And what will their record be? And all of a sudden, everybody looks extremely vulnerable, especially that Baltimore defense, which I think came as a shock uh, to everyone. All right, some of our buddies uh, dialed in here. Uh, Tomas says he misses Carl Lawson. That's my uh, best man right there. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, is, is your family all going to be okay, by the way, when you guys get together for the wedding in June? Everybody good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure. Um, <laughs> no problems in the house? We're all good? Well, you have to share. Yeah, so, you know, wrong. when you get to know people, um, and we're all just working together for the first time, all of us have our ups and downs with family. Casey's great, though. He's all good. Family's he all is, good. He's all good. Um, Looking for a house today, right? I or, We got approved uh, just Monday. Congratulations. So we are now in the market. In the market. It's a uh, it, 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 it's crazy market. Um, one fan says, give Jackson Carmen a fair shot. I think Jackson Carmen's been given more than a fair That's shot. That's Ryan Mouse. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, he's already had a shot. Uh, he might get another one. Um, if somebody doesn't play well or gets hurt, but he's already had more than enough. Do you recognize that name? I do. <laughs> I wasn't even going to mention it. Um, um, Dustin wants to know Sauce's chance at Rookie of the Year. Obviously, Matt feels really good yeah, he, about Sauce Gardner. He does. I mean, he, he had high praise for Sauce, and rightfully so. That, that guy is a, a monster on the field. Um, I think he got dinged up a little bit the last game, so I'm not sure if he's going to play against us. Well, but let's check it out. Let's take a look and see what's going yeah, on with we'll, Sauce we'll Gardner here. Injury report. We'll check it out. Uh, I'm just impressed that Justin Fields has all this time while he's playing in Chicago to watch our show and tune in. It must be amazing. that Ohio State connection with you. He wants Tank Top Tom. Tank the Triple top T's. Top. Yeah, Triple T. Tank Top Tom doing the gritty. All right, it says here the headline is Jets avoid worrying injuries to rookies Garrett Wilson and Ahmad Sauce Gardner. They were both first-round picks this year, by the way. Uh, Gardner left the game uh, after suffering uh, an injury, making a play on a ball. Uh, Wilson was knocked out of bounds trying to make a catch. Awkwardly, he landed on his back. Trying to find out to see exactly what the it said it was an injury to Gardner. It doesn't say what the injury is. Um, Must not be serious if they're not listening. Well, yet. that's right. I guess they're not worried about it. So hopefully we'll see Sauce Gardner on the field because it would be kind of cool after watching him 
for UC. Uh, we have Tracy Jones coming up later in the program. When we come back, though, uh, we're just going to talk some, some NFL here and some of the things going on around the league, both good and not so good. That's coming up next. You're watching Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We're back in a flash. All right, welcome back to the program. And, and there you see the setup in our brand-new studios here in the heart of downtown Hamilton. Now, there was a time... Not too long ago, for those of you in Cincinnati, you know where Hamilton is. It's, it's north, probably about 25 miles uh, of downtown. Um, and it was a thriving area uh, decades ago. Uh, all of a sudden, some of the jobs and the, and the uh, big places of employment started to go away and disappear, much like a lot of towns all over America, uh, including here in the Midwest. But now, all of a sudden, there is a revival going on here in Hamilton, and we are thrilled to be a part of it. There was a great article in the Cincinnati Enquirer about Hamilton. Used to call it Hamiltucky. Um, that a lot of people from Kentucky, for whatever reason, for jobs and mm -hmm. so forth and a better way of life, migrated up to uh, across the river uh, into Hamilton. Affordable to live here. Lots of good job opportunities going back to the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, and 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 now all of a sudden. There are a lot of good things happening here in Hamilton, Ohio. Now, one thing that is not happening very well, we were starting to get into your whole family life here a little bit. Oh, no. And I don't want to go down that road too deep. Um, and this is our Bengals report brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. Supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. We invite you to join Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Now, one of the folks watching, and man, are, are, thanks all of you who, who are watching. I, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. But I had no idea that Nathan, I'm going to leave the last name out of it, um, is your father-in-law. Yeah, he's my father-in-law. Oh, okay, okay, so now this guy, Nathan, thank you for watching. Um, we were in the break. You told me it was your father-in-law, and you told me he's not real happy with you, right? You lost some lucky tumbler of his or something? Yeah, I, I, in fact, I lost it here or... The cup uh, thing, is that what it is? Yeah, the I thought he was thing. talking about like that Tumblr website that girls go on to get ideas <laughs> no. about like arts and crafts. No. no. Oh, okay. This is far no. more serious. This is far that. more serious. So it, he had a lucky Tumblr. He had it all throughout the playoffs. Um, it was special white Houdet mug with Joe Burrow. You lost it. And I lost it. And I mean, it, it, why did you ever have it? I mean, it's his tumbler. It's in his house. So why did you ever have it? Um, did, you, did you stumble out of there one night? Your wife's the, the designated driver, and, or your bride-to-be, forgive me, um, and, and you just had the tumbler? No, I... Um, you stole I, it? I, I didn't steal it. I, I well, you intended, did steal it. If you had it, you I, stole it. I fully intended to bring it back to the house. Ah. Yeah. I just... <laughs> that sounds like... Some of the dudes that are, you know, smashing in the uh, the, the jewelry. I, I plan to bring it back. Yeah, no, I... Well, hang on. So, <laughs> hang on, hang on. So, what so, was in the tumbler? So, it was just... I just had water. Like, I just carried it. All right. Uh, okay, so what happened? So, he... 
he's very upset about it because I, I lost it, but I lost it either here, like in this building, or I lost it on the road at one of the high school events, which it's probably Wait, gone, I but. know, wait. I did see one of these in the press box. I'm not kidding. Uh, what, one of what? the, you're talking, is it silver? Well, it's white. Okay. It, no, you're talking about that silver cup that I brought in here, and it was sitting over there for a couple of nah, days. No, maybe. Big tall water cup kind of thing, silver. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's not what you're talking about. But since then, uh, the, the Bengals have been bad. Like, bad, Ah, it's your bad. fault then. And he, he, every show so far has said, ahem, the Bengals tumbler. Mm. When we talk about Bengals that it's my fault so i'm with I, I i can't keep it a secret any longer because i'm a very extremely superstitious person and you gotta go find I, that damn thing i genuinely believe that this tumbler might be the reason why the bingo season is on the verge of collapse so i need the bingles community and i need everyone's help to find this white tumbler Bengals mug. If we can't find it, who knows what's going to happen next? Well, all, all I know is, and, and this is all really that matters at the end of the day, all of us have our varying degrees of superstitions, but this part of it is not superstitious. Casey is already on the ropes with both his mother-in-law and father-in-law, <laughs> and he's not even married yet. I patched it up with my mother-in-law. I, I, it was my fault to begin with, and I, uh, I apologized for it. Yeah, those were, I told you those were Bob Brenly's famous words. Honey, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry, and I'll never do it again. For you, it's having to be applicable to your mother-in-law. I thought we weren't getting into family topics. Oh, we're, family. We're, we're not. We're moving we're, on. We're moving on, and you better find the damn mug. I will. Uh, Tumblr. Uh, it's, probably at Mil it it's probably at Milford High School. It probably is. And somebody's drinking out of it right now. Probably not water. Well, no. Somebody, you, you might be right. I saw a dude at, at UDF this morning. Early this morning. And um, he's got a 12-pack of, of beer. Nothing wrong with that. At, at like 7.38. Can't drink and all I walked the up to him and I said, hey, man, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. He got a big chuckle out of it. And uh, we sat there. He says, no, 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 no. He says, this is for the weekend. I just had a few minutes and I got to pay. I, I said, dude, for the I'm, weekend I'm, I'm on not, I'm Tuesday, not to judge anybody. Never. That's not my job. Well, you know, the, it's a higher calling. Well, you know, the weird hours in TV. My first gig was in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, and I worked the morning show. So I get off at 8, 9 a.m., go pick up a 12 pack or some beers. And people gave me the weirdest look. That's my that's my five o'clock. I got up at two a.m. to go to work. That's exactly right. Plus, you can't drink all again, day if you don't start again, in the morning. It's not not for any of us to judge, and I'm not judging. Um, look, we've talked a little bit. We've talked a lot about the Bengals today. Um, I want to get into a couple of other teams, and it seems like every every single time uh, we have Brian Billick on this show. Uh, we talk about the 49ers thing. And, and Matt O'Leary just alluded to it. I, you know, look, I did a lot of 49ers games. Uh, I, I personally know quite well John Lynch, former great safety player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, longtime analyst uh, at Fox. Uh, we never did games together, 
but but became buddies through the years. Uh, Kyle Shanahan uh, was around him a lot when he was a play caller in Atlanta the year they went to the Super Bowl. And then he went on to become a head coach in San Francisco. I think he's a really sharp, smart guy. Um, but, you know, th this is a topic, fellas, that I think floods the sports world uh, on so many different levels. And that is, and we just heard it from Matt Leary, it's the same thing, really. Not the same thing because Flacco's older. But you draft, let me back up. You build a team through the draft and signing free agents, which the 49ers have done. You build that team to be ready to contend. And the last two years, they have been legitimate big-time contenders, right? right? When they've got all their defensive pieces in place, it, it is a bruising, hard-hitting, get-after-people. Now, they've had a lot of injuries. But the bottom line is that team is built to win now. And more times than not, the combination of a rookie quarterback trying to lead a veteran team that's ready to win now, to actually win now, rarely ever works. I think all of a sudden, and God bless Trey Lance, I hope he comes back and is one of the great quarterbacks of all time. I don't know the guy. I got nothing against him, and I'm sorry he's hurt. But I think at the end of the day for the 49ers, they all of a sudden look at themselves very differently now going into week three than I think they did in week one. Your thoughts, if any? Yeah, I mean, just as an example of the types of players it actually takes to have like a rookie quarterback come in and perform like that, Patrick Mahomes. And maybe the last one in like recent memory is the other 49ers quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, which you saw how that worked out. So to, to your point, it is extremely difficult, even as a rookie, and I know he's not technically a rookie. He sat behind for like a year or whatever. He's a rookie. He's a rookie. He's a rookie. So it, it is tough. It, it's, it's extremely tough. And I think they are in a position where they say, okay, well, let's just go back to what we were good at doing before, which they were really good at what they were doing before. Run the ball. Run the ball. Feed Debo. Get after the quarterback. Yep. Play good defense. Yep. Um, I had the 49ers winning the NFC north or it's not north it's west, west NFC, nfc west i had them winning i still have them winning even with grapplo because i think that team is good i think uh i think the bosa and is it it's not buckner it wasn't buckner they traded buckner away yeah, yeah. i can't remember armstead yeah armstead he's those two are so good i really love debo i had him on my fantasy team last year and he did oh, not disappoint insane. he's insane yeah um, I mean, they, they're, they're good. And I think even the coaching staff is unbelievable. You know, uh, Kyle Shanahan always comes up with ways to have a creative offense, um, have a creative scheme. And it's, it, it, they're in a good spot, I feel like. Even, even with Trey Lance going down, I don't think there's any need to panic. Grapplo's going to do what he always has done. And who knows? Maybe this lights a fire underneath Garoppolo, and he just starts getting hot. Well, he, he's going to end up being—he's going to end up playing well. He's going to end up winning games, and and now all of a sudden, he, he knows next year he'll be able to hit the open market. I think. I think he still his contract he, expires. They just redid that deal, but um, 
Okay, so we've talked about the 49ers. Trying to win that division for a second year in a row, the L.A. Rams. Now, after the first week, they looked terrible. Yeah. The second week, they scored some points. Uh, they almost let that game get away from them. Um, so they are what they are. The Minnesota Vikings are the team, Brandon. Uh, I don't know how much you watched that game last night. I had them in my top five power performer uh, teams uh, going into the week. My son was all over my case about it, uh, and we will talk about them um, later on in the show. It is time to welcome in one of our all-time favorites, and that is Tracy Jones. Tracy, you were injured last week. You fell down. Yes. Um, and the two casualties were, you know, throw away, if I remember right, glasses for you, some Maui gems or something. Uh, and the other casualty was you, per, uh, you know, yourself. You looked much better this week. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Tom. I, I think, you know, I was really concerned about my face. Not that I'm some great looking guy. I'm not. But there was some damage there. I had a broken nose. I still have a broken nose, but it was messed up, right? It was messed up here, here, and then I had uh, some damage here. It was bleeding, had some scab. I'm fully recovered just about. And, and I think it's because I'm a Major League Baseball player that I recover so fast. I mean, most people would take weeks for these scars and these bruises to go away. One week, Tommy, and I'm back to 100%. You know, I, I know there's a little tongue-in-cheek there, but I, but on a serious note, don't you believe even professional athletes and guys that you were around, and, and, and I've really thought about this for a long time, and there's no way to be able to, to, to do a study on it or anything, but I've always found it so interesting, Tracy, how some guys, you can have the same injury, right? You got two different guys. And you see this a lot, I think, when it comes to like an ACL or something like that. Yes. A serious injury. Some guys just heal faster than other guys, don't they? You've seen that. Um, you know what? I see it. I do see it. I saw it when I played, uh, you know, with the certain teams. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, some guys bounce back. Another thing is, why do some players get hurt all the time and others do not? I mean, look at Pete Rose. How many injuries did Pete have? How about a guy like Buddy Bell? Did Buddy Bell ever get hurt? But guys like Eric Davis, I mean, Eric got hurt a lot. I yeah. think it's the body makeup maybe, but it's injuries, especially in baseball. Players get hurt all the time. It's kind of crazy. Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm not getting into the whole thing about – I think when you're around, and it's probably not fair, and, and Tracy, you correct me if I'm wrong on this because you played a long time, uh, and we know about your phenomenal success as a football player back in the days in Southern California. But I I'm amazed. Basketball, too. Ba I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Pretty good tennis player. <laughs> Go do you ahead, play, pick you do you play pickleball? Have you tried pickleball yet? Oh, I'd be good at it. That's I know that I, I'm actually looking forward because my range is a little limited now. If you know what I'm talking about, five knee surgeries. I don't cover much ground. That looks like a fun game. It's that, a. That looks, I got to tell it's, you, it's it's for guys our age, uh, really for any age. Because because my 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 19 year old daughter uh, loves when we play. But it is a really fun game to play with couples. 
because yeah. your wife's athletic and you know you can have a couple of <laughs> drinks it's not like wait so, hold on hold on here what did you just say your wife's athletic shake yourself no speed no range Nothing. She's a, she's a, she likes athletes. Believe me, she <laughs> likes athletes. If you know what I'm saying. Hey, hey, listen. Can I change topics? No, well, I, I want to get to. No, I have one question though that I Go was ahead. leading to, Go and ahead. I got I drifted Go off topic. I and have so one question. I, I got it. Yeah, I got one question. <laughs> I it, I'm always amazed, Tracy, and why it is, and and it's not you know 100 percent of the time, but it's a lot. And I've paid attention to it because especially like in a month like this, for, for 25 years in September and October, I was doing baseball and football at the same time and crossing over. And so you'd see a lot of different guys get nicked up and so forth. Football players, Tracy, seem to come back a lot faster than baseball players. Is that fair? I would say so. And I don't know if it's because of the injury or, what is, or maybe the therapy that they're getting, but they do bounce back. Baseball players get hurt. It's kind of like they're out the whole year, right? I mean, yeah. they're out, you know, they, they pull a muscle, it's six weeks. They pull a groin, it's six weeks. But football players, and I don't know how, all kidding aside, I don't know how those guys stay on the field. The yeah. violence and just the hits that they take to keep going. I have a lot of respect for those guys. All right, now we're going to have a conversation today about a baseball player and a football player. Since we're talking so much about football right now, the guy who, who rarely ever seems, I think only one time of any significance, uh, has he ever been hurt, uh, is the amazing Tom Brady at 45 uh. years young. I mean, this guy, are you a fan of Tom Brady? Huge fan. I've got a serious man crush on Tom Brady. He is the best. Don't you respect him? Oh, I mean, man. everything that he's accomplished, he, he's not the greatest athlete. I mean, you see him, he can barely move in that pocket. But such a smart player and just can handle the pressure. I have to tell you this because I am a huge Tom Brady fan. I watched that game against New Orleans. He's not the same player. And I know they won. And that game was a lot closer than actually the score. But he is not the same person. I think of Tom Brady as being cool, calm, and collected, right? That's, that's what I think no, of Tom yeah. Brady. I, I thought he was whiny. He was yelling at his players. He was throwing things like you see at an old person retirement home. He's throwing his, his laptop. He's going crazy on the sidelines. He's pitching and griping to the referees. Something is not right with Tom Brady. And, and I, I listen, I, I think I know what the problem is. What do you think and it I is? I think he's going to have a really rough year. What do you think the problem is? I think the problem is his home situation with Giselle. Well, he left the team, you know, there during training camp, uh, during the preseason. And, yeah, uh, I, I, you know, you were the guy who gave, uh, and, and, I mean, we were flooded with the uh, response on the Internet with your, you know, marital advice in our segment last week. Um, so you think that's the issue for Tom Brady. Something's going on at home. Something. I, I think so. I think he's on edge. And I don't know I don't know how he's gonna resolve that without actually going home and resolving his problems with Giselle. Uh I, I would give a heads up for Giselle because Tom Brady's a pretty cool guy. And I don't think he would have any problem pulling some wool if he had to. Oh Do you agree God. with that, Tom? Oh my God. 
Oh, my God. What was wrong with that, Tom? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Um, look, Tom Brady. You disagree I, I, with that? He, look, he is a very happily married guy. I think. I don't know. And, um, but I'm with He's you, though. There, there's something, there's something going He's... on there. There's something right. going on with him. I, I would agree with that. I think one of the things that's made him great through the years is, is his leadership and not being afraid to call guys out on his own team. Um, and, and if it's pub publicly, so be it. I mean, you know, you remember, you know, uh, uh, Lou Pinella. Uh, and, 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 and the way he would call out guys publicly if they weren't playing well or call them out right there in the dugout if something was going on. Brady has always had that edge to him. Um, and, and so, but, but, but you're right. Last week there was a different level of that. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the, the computer, the, the, the officials, the, 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 yeah, there was more to it. He, he's almost living life like a cloistered monk. You know what I'm saying? Do you know no, what that I don't. word means? No, well, what does that it's, mean? It's a, life of, it's a life of celibacy, Tom. That's what the monks have. So I just think he needs to get out and maybe turn the page and move on. You know, I'm very familiar with Tampa, Tampa Bay. I can direct it to, to some places that I think he would have a good time. Uh, have you ever been on Del Mabry, that street, Yes, <laughs> Yes, I have. I have. There's yep. a place called Mons Venus and Space <laughs> Odyssey. <laughs> I think that would take the edge off Tom Brady. Space Odyssey. Well, Mons Venus you know, has been there a long time. So is Space Odyssey. You were down there back in the days when the Reds trained down there. Actually, they had a table and a chair just for me. <laughs> that was a great place, Tom. You know, you young punks that are sitting there listening to the show, they have I, no I, idea what they're missing. Uh, Tampa Bay is a place that I visit every summer. So I, I got an idea where what you're laying down. Okay, so where'd you go? <laughs> We're not getting into the weeds there. I'm, I don't have a residency like you do, Tracy. Uh, are you married? I'm not, no. Okay, well, stay single. So who gives a rat's ass? Where'd you go? Did you go to <laughs> <laughs> I, cu I couldn't tell you names. Tampa's a very, very uh, popular place uh, for nightlife. Yes, it is. Had some good times down yeah, there. Yes, it my, is. my cousin is not who I will not name. Has had some bad nights, losing a credit card, thinking he's going to marry somebody. We've had to tame him in. We've lost him. He's had to convince somebody at a Waffle House to drive him back because he did, lost his wallet, didn't have any Uber money. I mean, we've had some nights down there. I like the Waffle House. It's a good spot. I do too. I love the Waffle House. I used to a lot go of one. Tom, you don't belong in a Waffle House, dude. I used to go. He's in too there. good Back for a in Waffle the old House. Days in Mount Adams, Way too good. We go up there, and uh, no, I am definitely not, uh, uh, not above anywhere, any place, any time. Uh, used to go in there late at night across the river, right there in Northern Kentucky, at the. Uh, hey, Waffle can I House. say something before I was so rudely inter interrupted with you know <laughs> talking about sports? I got to tell you. Tom, you're doing a great job. And, and let me, there's, the, there's a lot of buzz about your show. Everybody's talking about it. Well, okay. <laughs> let, me, let me give you an example. I went into UDF. And by the way, I love UDF. What a great place. You know where I live, right? Yep. You've been to my place. Yep. The reason I got my condo is because UDF's 50 feet away, and I love to go get a hot fudge Sunday, two scoops, oh, wow. no nuts, no cherry. I love UDF. Hey, same. 
I love that. And, and when I was going to buy the place, I thought, you know, a million dollars for my condo. And Danae says, Trace, it's by a UDF. And I thought, you know what? Unlimited. The price is right. I'm going all out. I love UDF. But that's not my story. I'm sitting in UDF or standing in UDF, getting ready to order a hot fudge Sunday. You won't believe this. There's a guy looking at me, staring me down, right? You know, kind of measuring me a little bit. And I'm thinking, what the hell is wrong with this guy? What's he, what's he looking at? I mean, I'm wearing a tank top. Tom, my, my arms right now are probably 13, 12 inch. I don't have the pythons I used to. But this guy wants trouble. And I know he wants trouble. Well, he and might have been looking what? at your nose and your face and wondered if you had found trouble somewhere else. And you're that kind of guy that's looking for trouble. Yeah, and he's looking to get his ass kicked twice in the same week. So I'm sitting there, standing there, again, ordering my, my hot fudge sundae. I start to leave, and the guy goes, hey. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is going to go down. I'm going to have to fight this guy in the UDF. Am I going to throw my hot fudge sundae and run out and run up to my condo? What am I going to do? He turns around, and you know what he says to me? How's Tom doing? And I says, shoot. You mean Tom Brenneman? He says, yeah, Tom Brenneman. He says, I watch that podcast every single day. Really? And it's great. He loves it. He thinks I should be on all the time. He thinks some of the other guests are a little, you know, are, they're not up to me. I says, what do you like about Tom Brenneman? Now, wait for this. What do you like about Tom Brenneman? He says he reminds me of two people. Oh, George Clooney, the looks <laughs> and the hair. And Andrew Tate, he says, because oh, of your geez. edginess. Who's Andrew Tate? I don't know who Andrew uh, Tate is. Who is Andrew Tate? Uh, I know who George Clooney is. I mean, you know, I mean, you, if you're mentioned in the same breath with that guy, I mean, I'll take that compliment all day long. Now, is that the same, fellas, for Andrew Tate? Who is he? Couldn't tell you. Yeah. You don't know who he, he is? He's who not is allowed he? on the Internet. He's been boycotted. He's out. You can't find him on the Internet because he's so edgy he makes oh you know what i i know exactly now who you're yes. talking about absolutely yes. i mean it's a joke it's a total joke i know what you're talking about now and who you're talking about yeah right I got you. but i mean to I think you. of you as being that edgy like an andrew tate is rather surprising don't yeah it you is think so? i do it i is. do so my whole thing is you know i don't mind it but please don't shave your head like andrew tate just don't don't do that well i'm not going to it's falling out on its own as it is yeah. Um, the I other guy that, that I was surprised that, uh, that you have some actual, I, I, you think Aristides Aquino <laughs> is starting to make some progress as an offensive player here over the last couple of months. The, 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 they basically, the Reds turned him loose after giving him multiple yeah. chances to be an everyday yes. player. Uh, nobody else wanted him. He wound up back with the organization because of injuries and trades. They move him back up to the big league club, and you're seeing a difference in him. Is that fair? I, I do. I, I do. And, and remember, Tom, we talked about this last time I was on. We see things that you people don't see, right? You see it in football. I see it in baseball. What I saw the other night is he actually got a couple of hits on curveballs. He's never gotten hits on curveballs. So he's making that adjustment. I think with Aquino, he's a guy that has some really great skills, great arm, and he can really launch balls a long, long ways. I know his contact's lacking, 
But so in the major leagues, a lot of guys spin to win and striking out. But Aquino, I like him. I think he's a sleeper. He's still young. And ask the ask the uh, the guys how is he twenty six? I think so. He's still relatively young. So I think he's he's got huge upside. And you see it with the Reds, right? Because they keep playing him. Twenty eight. Play. They're twenty eight. It's all right. He's still young. They're going to play him till he drops. Someone in that organization likes him, and I'm just raising my hand. I like him too. Well, he didn't have a single hit in the Cardinal series. Just FYI. Uh, but he was twelve hot. in the last three games and struck out six times. He said well, he, he was probably 15. having pro. Yeah, he's probably having problems at home like Tom Brady. <laughs> well, okay. Here's what I got for you about Aquino. I, I think he can play. I, I think he can play. Just all just right, but stay okay. You think, think he can play, play. and we've talked about on this show with the Reds, and rarely do we talk about the Reds on this show lately. And I mean, they haven't given us much to talk about. Maybe this time next year, it's a different ball game. Um, we know they're not going to go spend a bunch of money in free agency. At least we don't think uh, in the no. off season. We know that most of their quote-unquote, crown jewel players are at the lower levels of the minor leagues right now. And it's a, it's a minor league system that because of their drafting and because of the trades that they've made uh, is really moving up. I heard you talking about it with my dad, really moving up the food chain as far yes, as where they're ranked and so forth. Okay, but so with all that in mind, um, you were talking about Aquino and – you know, uh, you know the, the last three games notwithstanding, but 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 he clearly is making improvement in a lot of areas, uh, and 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 so, how much though, Tracy, can you judge? And Paul Doherty references earlier, how much stock do you put in to players that play really well? maybe getting a chance to play every day, say, starting in August. And then, you know, guys that get called up uh, and play really well in September. Because let's face it, you're facing a lot of uh, pitchers, right, if you're an offensive player. You're facing a lot of pitchers uh, that are, are young guys that have been called up from the minor leagues, right, on other teams as the rosters expand yes. and that kind of thing. <clears throat> Or if you're a pitcher, you're facing a lot of batters, even though they're big league hitters, that are young guys that have been brought up in the minor leagues. So how much stock can you put or do you put in guys' success over, over say, mid-August to the end of September? I, I like this question because I've kind of flip-flopped over the years on this. I used to think it was, you know, it, you get a hit in September, it's the same as you do in April. But I, I really think the pitching is diluted come September and it's really tough to judge a hitter. Uh, pitchers are tired, right? I heard that with the uh, the Nationals. They've got a lot of pitchers down. And certain teams, you know, pitchers who shouldn't be up in the big leagues are in the big leagues. It's kind of like, Tom, and I think you would agree with this, it's like judging a player out of spring training, right? Yep. Guy hit, you know, 400 in spring training. says, man, this guy, you know, you got to give him the job. He's ready to go, and all of a sudden, opening day, and they put another level on the stadium. It goes from two to three, and then it's like, oh, jeez, get a little tight here. Totally different. It's different in September. It's very relaxed as far as ballplayers, and players are looking to get back to their family, to their wives, to their girlfriends, sometimes both, and get on with their life. 
You catch that, Tom? I, I, why, I, why do you always take your glasses off? You know, let, let me say something. I take, you know, the, I I take was, them off to wipe the sweat that's pouring down from my forehead after things like that. Let, let, me, let me tell you this, okay? Thinking I'm, I'm going to end up where Andrew Tate is. You don't want you don't want to be there. Trust <laughs> no, I know. You I want know. that. Yeah, I know. That. You want that fu money though. He got fu money. Uh, let, let me throw this at you because I was listening to you the other day. And by the way, did I tell you you're doing a great job? <laughs> yes, you did. Thank you. Thank you. You can't hear it enough. I mean, I, I never hear things like that from my wife anymore, so it's nice. Thank you. Yeah, you can't blame her. But I, I did not know. <laughs> I did not know that you were part of a fraternity. Yeah. That's I was a president. I was deal. a president of the fraternity. Oh, you're kidding me! No, I have leader, leader always... of men, leader that's of a, men. Tracy, he was thing. talking about playing flip cup and beer pong at the Bengals tailgate with me. Leader of men. God, I just I can't get that visual. I always wanted to be in a fraternity. You know what my favorite movie is, Tom? I mean, you're Anim too young to remember the Animal, Animal House. House. Yeah, the, I, I just watched movie? it again the other day. I watched it again. Oh, the, I was out. I was in high school when that was on. Come on. Oh, come on. Come I've on. seen that movie twenty times. I love that. I mean, what's it like to be in a fraternity? I mean, I wanted to be in a fraternity, but baseball got in the way, and I thought playing the major leagues was a little bit more important. But still, <laughs> being in a fraternity, being the president. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Hey, you know Look. who you. you Beta Thai Pi, right? Beta Theta Pi. That's a good try. Uh, yeah, but look, there are a lot of people out there and, and, and this whole woke world that we live in. And look, there are some fraternities that have done a lot of bad things and, and hazing and all that kind of thing. I went through the hazing. I, mean, I know what it's all about. Uh, some, it was all in good fun. You weren't asked to drink like some, you know, a, a gallon of vodka where tragically we've seen some of the, yes. the, the stories where, where kids have been killed and this kind of thing. Everybody and his brother is against that kind of thing. And so you, but, but putting that part aside, I got to tell you, the friendships uh, that I developed yeah. were just unbelievable. And, and they've been lifelong friends and really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys that are in the military. That, that, that tell me that weren't in fraternities. That they told me mm -hmm. they felt like that was a that was a whole different level now of commitment. Big deal. And, and the whole deal. But they were all there yep. together, uh, living in the same you know barracks or whatever the case may be. And the closeness, uh, rather than living with two or three other dudes, or maybe like you did, you know, when you were a player, you you probably lived out on your own. You you weren't hanging out really much with other guys, right? Listen, shake yourself again. I, I was making $232 take home every two weeks. I told you this story, Tom. I don't like to repeat myself, but I stole the uh, the lounge chair from the pool and that's what I slept on. I stole one for me and I stole one for Rob Dibble. So that's what we slept on. That was that was our our bed. Hey, hey let me ask you something about the fraternity because I, I find this topic. Why do we keep I mean, going back to the fraternity? Well, because I, I always wanted to be a, one of those okay. fraternity okay. guys. Okay. Do you guys right. have like secret handshakes? Yeah, had all that stuff. Yeah. Do you have code words too, saying? No, 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 none of that. None of that. Do you know who belonged to your fraternity? Michael Jack Schmidt. I know that. Do you know that? I know that. You knew that? Mike Schmidt from the Ohio University. You better believe I know that. Of course I know, you know that. They well, I just thought that was very interesting. I've heard Mike Schmidt talk about his baseball career, and he attributes his success not playing with guys like Steve Carlton and Pete Rose, but being a fraternity brother like you.
You know if what? If you can believe that. I mean, he and I have had lengthy conversations about his experience uh, as a Beta Theta Pi fraternity member at Ohio University yep. back when he was a big star there. Uh, one of my favorite guys I've ever known in baseball, not because of that. I, you know, he was sort of a standoffish sort of guy when he played. I loved him. Yeah, Great I'm sure. But, but as he's gotten older and now he's been brought back into the Philadelphia Phillies family, he's broadcasting games, I think, every Sunday or, or, or a number of weekends. He is an awesome dude. What a he's great so, guy. He's so cool and such a star. He used to, he used to take time out every time I play against the Phillies and come over and talk to me. If you yeah. can, and that's a true story. I know I've got a lot of BS, but he was so nice to me. I have a lot of respect for Mike Schmidt. Great fielder, great home run hitter. I'll tell you who else belonged to your fraternity. John Wooden. Yep, I know that. Did you know that? I did know the that. The Wizard of Westwood. Yep. How about Robert Reed from the Brady Bunch? Did you yes, know indeed. that, Tom? Yep, and the guy you who played Batman, Adam West. Oh, he's on there. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a lot of guys in there. A lot of guys in there. Yep. You know, there's also One a lot of, of guys same... who have spent a number of years in jail. Yeah, you, well, you're very lucky. Now, listen, let me ask you this about the fraternity, okay? Because I think this is important stuff that people don't know. We're like running out of time a, about this stuff. If you go to a different state, like you can stay with your fraternity brothers, right? And bring yeah. Polly and the kids and stuff, and they'll have you in and, and feed them. <laughs> I'm everything. not so sure about Polly and the kids. I think so. <laughs> I don't think that. that's Let's a good idea. Bucks. I really don't. Yeah. That's not yeah. a good idea. No. Tracy, it's been great having you with us. I'm glad you're healing and doing well. Uh, you'll be back here on Thursday. I can't wait. I, you know, I, I keep offering to get you to come uh, you know, be a regular co-host, if you will. Uh, well, he's not going to come in. I mean, a guy like him, he's got the we, doorman there we can to send make a sure limo. his condo outside the building over there. that all the riffraff stays out uh, and the people following him around and all that kind of thing. He... He can't come up to Hamilton. Send him a limo. You got you the know. money to do that. Let's send him a limo and bring him up. See, I would. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll go. I'll go to the studio if you do the same thing you did the first time I came in. Do you guys remember when you had it catered, the lobster catered in there for for the uh, afternoon meal? Yeah, I think we had it a bourbon. So good. We it had a bourbon so tasting too. I think. Yeah. I think we had that. Do you remember the butter sauce that they used for that lobster? Very fantastic. Tasty. This show has gone off the rails officially today. But you know what? That's okay. Trace, I'm glad you're better, buddy. Great to see you, man. Right. Thanks for the time. Thanks, we love Tommy. you. We love you. See you, boys. See ya. See ya. <laughs> what a guy. I've already had one career sink. Already one. I, I think we should be honored that he was on our show. I, believe me, I am honored he's on our show. That dude is the best. I'd go to bat and go to war for and with Tracy Jones all day, every day. Would you go to Tampa with him? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're back with the cherry on top in a minute. All right. Uh, welcome back to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. Uh, so many have been uh, dialed in today, fellas, and it's been great. And again, uh, we ask you uh, out there, uh, because uh, you guys, uh, Brandon, you're sending out stuff on Twitter at Tom Brenneman TV, uh, also on Instagram and on Facebook to a lesser extent. But uh, if there's something you like out there, retweet it, 
right? Mm-hmm. We're in for and up for all the followers we can get around here. Absolutely. So we would appreciate it. If there's something you don't like, say that too. That's fine. No snowflakes. None allowed. None allowed. Thick skin. We got cherries, though. All right. So we're doing the United Dairy Farmers Cherry on Top segment presented by UDF. Uh, I don't know what this is today. Would you like, Would you care to tell me what it is? Uh, well, you should know uh, exactly what it is. It's uh, oh yeah, making good on your promise this, this week. You're right. Yeah, yeah we got to get Todd right, out there. Wait, wait. You want? Oh. <laughs> All right, here we go. Wait, 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 we, we need go. some music or something, or hang on. Yeah, yeah we got we got music now. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Right? Is that good? Uh, yeah, it's something. It's something. Why don't we do a more a little more rhythm, a little more rhythm. Yep, there we can't hear you, but that's. Oh, look at that. Wow. Where do you get this? On other, on other shows, where do you get this kind of. What's the word? Pizzazz? That's a word. Another word? Failure? Good. I, I, look, I got it outside. I didn't say I was any good at it. Well, what's my grade? All the guys, real quick, before we sign off in, in one minute, for everybody that's watching uh, right now. 6.4. Okay, I'll, I'll live with that. It's yeah. better than yesterday. Definitely. Okay. Okay. All right, well, you know what? Everybody can share that later. I'm sure that will end up being sent out today on social media. I have no doubt about it. Of course. So we thank um, Casey McAllister, Brandon Seho, our executive producer and CEO, Trace Fowler. Well, I can't believe how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> there was a time. They can hear you outside the studio live now. Yeah, falling. I mean, everybody at Headlines out there is rolling over laughing. <laughs> there was a time. There was a time in I'm my life. The replay. So I was good. broadcasting World Series games. And I was announcing <laughs> NFL playoff games and three BCS national championship games. <laughs> and now I'm doing the gritty in Hamilton. What in the hell has happened? But we're having fun. Join us tomorrow on Off the Bench. Have a good day today.